Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm William. This is the podcast where we talk about everything tabletop RPGs. And today we're talking about Battle Wars. One, two, Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. How you doing today? I'm good. Good. How good, are you? Good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Mm. Um, I'm happy. Oh. Because today is the last, the final makeup episode for Year of the Fiend. Yeah, we were contracted for a certain amount, and we forgot to read you the don't fine break print. Your, yeah, you don't break your fiendish contracts. <laughs> no, sir. Um, uh, yeah, it's still Year of the Fiend. Not, it's a real long it's one. It's not. It's Year of the Artifact. <laughs> it's just they're they're encroaching on our year of the artifact, and you know it's a very fiendish thing of them to do. <laughs> true, true. So this would have been our capstone episode of last year, but due to unforeseen circumstances, it was pushed back uh, into the year of the artifact space. How fiend-like for the fiendish topics to encroach on other topics. Uh, today we are talking about the strongest type of non-unique demons, the Balor. The only thing above this in the demonic food chain are the demon lords themselves. And though Balors are exceptionally valuable as servant generals and bodyguards, even demon lords are wary of these demigod-like entities. Fun fact about Balors before we begin, early Dungeons and Dragons books actually featured Balrogs among other Middle-earth creatures such as hobbits and ants. After a lawsuit brought by the Tolkien estate, these Tolkien-specific names were changed, and the Balrogs became the Balor. Yeah, they, they, they didn't uh, realize how many fucking hours Tolkien spent on that shit. He yeah. was going to take them to the grave with that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, figures of ancient and terrible evil. Balor's rule as generals over demonic armies, yearning to seize power while destroying any creatures that oppose them. They are imposing humanoid figures that stand about 12 feet, Oh, 3.7 meters. <laughs> Tall and weigh 4,500 pounds. That's 2,000 kilograms, folks. A powerful aura of darkness envelops their grotesque forms as their deep red skin is wrapped in glaring flames. A pair of massive bat-like wings allows them to soar through the air with unnatural agility. Although they are naturally armed with venom-dripping dri uh, venom fangs and fearsome claws, they also are typically wielding a flaming whip and a longsword that channels the power of the storm. A Balor's battle prowess is fueled by hatred and rage. It channels the demonic fury in its death throes, uh, exploding in a blast of fire that can destroy even the hardiest of foes. Yeah, they're fucking cool. Yeah, they're pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. They're pretty fucking scary. It's like Susanoo. The uh, fucking, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always think of uh, Itachi's. It's all big and red. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's got a sword. Yep. 
Um, Balors are the quintessential demons of the abyss, chaotic, evil, incarnate, and in some respects, the true manifestation of the demon side of the blood war. Whether acting as generals for demon lord armies or even as minor princelings themselves, Balors are warmongering paragons of burning rage that inspire violent defiance against the legions of hell. Nice. <laughs> Rising above the cold, emotionless logic of the Meriliths is the passionate rage of the Balors. Driven by an overwhelming and primal urge to do battle, Balors constantly strive to increase their own power and prestige, all while sowing chaos, terror, and misery for others. They are creatures drunk on their own power, caught within the spell of their own overpowering fervor. From the highest points of conceit to the lowest levels of self-hatred, constantly pushing themselves to unleash their emotions and obtain a release that they will never find. Balors wear t-shirts that say I love hell, like I love New York t-shirts. Well, it'll be I love the abyss, but yeah. Oh, wait. Balors are not devils, they're demons. What? Hold yes. on. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're chaos. They're chaos incarnate. Oh, yeah. Wait. We did Pit fucking... <laughs> It happens. There is a lot of similarity between the two. Oh, yeah. They're like exploding in fire and stuff, but yeah. you did totally read it all about <laughs> this and chaos. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but yes, they definitely say I love the abyss. I love the abyss. Oh, this makes them fucking cooler now to me. <laughs> For sure. There was a time when many believed that there were only 24 Balors within the abyss. Perhaps this was a thought uh to be perhaps this was thought to be so in reflection of the fact that there are reportedly only 24 solar angels in existence. Regardless of the reasoning, it was wishful thinking as 24 was merely the number that were known at that point of time. <laughs> Now it is known that Balors rise from the ranks of lower demons at a rate high enough to increase Balor population, even with the eternal conflict of the Blood War calling some of their numbers. So, so there's not like a, a a thousand day, a thousand year. What is it? A thousand days? A thousand and one days of? Um, yeah, it was one thousand and one days of like torture and agony. Yeah, to become like the Balor. upper rank, or no, no, not for these guys. Yeah, they just what? Uh, are we getting into that later? Like how? you know, I don't remember reading the specifics about it, but maybe it. I wrote this script a very long time ago, Brian, so I don't remember. Okay, but um, if 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 it's not covered, we will muse upon it. I see. Okay, excellent. <laughs> so rather than stay within a specific territory, most battlers roam the abyss, gathering soldiers to create their armies, giving them commands in their battles against the devils or other battlers, uh, and attempting to amass enough power and influence to conquer an abyssal layer and transcend to the status of a f and form of a demon lord. That's basically that's how demon lords are born. Um, a Balor conquers an entire layer all by themselves, and now they become a demon lord. I see. Okay, yeah. so Balors are the very heart of the blood war. Their wrathful devotion, uh, an awesome inspiration that rouses furious bloodlust in their inferiors. A display that the logical moves of the Merolith could never hope to match. Thus, though your typical demon horde is led by a Merolith, Balors command armies of multiple hordes, much to the Merolith's uh, chagrin. Chagrin. Chagrin, yeah. Uh, because of how integral Balors are to the structure of demon society, as well as being the major reason demonkind has managed to remain orderly enough to conduct themselves effectively in the Blood War, some scholars consider Balors to be part of the Abyss's immune system against hell. Ooh, okay. That's a cool you way know, to look at demons it. Are, they're super chaotic. I mean, they're chaotic incarnate. The, the fact that they've managed to, like, be organized enough to, you know, go up against the, the most organized, effective army in the cosmos, you know, I could kind of see this. It's all scramble tactics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like imagining these guys as Lokis, like all the different variants. They all okay, kind of yeah, look sure, the same, sure. but they're just like slightly different. <laughs> That's really you know, funny. One of them's like wearing that. a fucking suit, but the, yeah. like, the tie's not on. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. other dudes are wearing like high, <laughs> high cut jean shorts. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so their relationship with other demons is complicated due to the position of view views of the Balors. So Glabrazus. These are four-armed, lobster-clawed, dog-faced, high-level demons. Mm. Uh, are favored by Balors due to their corrupting influence and use of temptation against mortals. Meriliths and uh, so you, I don't need to explain Meriliths. They're one of the more iconic uh, demons. But yeah, the, the big snaky, multi-armed yeah, ladies. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and now Fishnies. Those are like the warthog demons. Okay. Um, view Balors as unnecessary figures only in command due to their power and that their greater intelligence and technical skills are not only superior, but are the real reason that the Abyss, you know, is able to hold its own against. Yeah, they're like, that guy's just bigger than me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, now, Fishnees in particular take every opportunity to undermine the Blood War and embarrass their Balor masters rather than directly challenge their authority. Mm. 
in general, uh, Balors are dreaded beings who prefer to be around creatures just short of their own power rather than weaklings or equals. While two Balors might occasionally team up, any alliance will normally break down due to their natural competitiveness. I see. Um, on the other hand, beings more powerful than the Balor uh, do exist, though they are both rare and specialty-type demons, you could call them. Uh, one such being are the, the Molly Day or the Molly Deus, depending or uh, on plural or, or singular. Okay. Molly Day are powerful two-headed demons that exist in a strange place outside of the regular abyssal hierarchy. Feared even more than the Balors, they serve both as intermediaries and enforcers for their respective demon lords. So despite reporting to the Balors, Molly Day work for their respective demon lords above all else and will not hesitate to report a rebellious Balor. So one of the things going on here is that Balors are f- super powerful. They're so powerful. Demon Lords are nervous around them. Like, you know, the big dogs have more than a few, but like there there's like this uh, uh, this tensity between the relationship of like, I'm so powerful that I overpower you and you serve me, but you're so powerful. I got to be careful because if you gain just enough more, you can usurp me. Right, and like a couple of you in the room is a big deal to me. Exactly. Yeah. So they demon lords go out of their way to create these super specialty types that are very loyal to them, in order to kind of have like, like assassination triggers that can snap. Because this Balor is getting a little uppity. I see. Yeah. Okay. Contingency. Mm-hmm. Demon lords in particular do not favor Balor as a servants due to their malevolent force of personality and ability to unite demons to their will. Hence, they create use the Molly Day to help keep them in line. Nice. Uh, despite the raw fury and hatred of a Balor, they are still highly intelligent beings capable of concocting vile schemes. Balors are among the few demons that recognize a crucial underlying lynch- linchpin of winning the blood war that being uh, the other planes of existence. So all planes are possible battlegrounds, and the prime material plane in particular is crucial. Bellers nearly always uh, benefit from packs made on the material plane by exchanging demonic help for influence on the plane. As with every ally and follower they make, uh, the more magical power flows back to them for use in the blood war. Mm, Okay. Uh, So there's direct gain for demonic cults. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. as such, Balors are some of the most likely demons to work with mortal individuals or groups if properly invoked and made the right offers and promises. However, any team with a Balor among its ranks will be beset by the Balor's attempts to either assume a leadership role or usurp it from the current leader. Oh, man. Um, Balors are beings of flame and cinders, constantly exuding fire too hot for most to bear, being immune to fire themselves and exploding into spectacularly deadly infernos that destroy everything nearby upon death. Their flaming whips have tails ended in hooks, spikes, and balls, allowing them to easily draw in those they net uh, with them. Balors are able to summon hordes of dretches, other weak demons, <clears throat> or smaller numbers of more powerful ones. To add to all this, Balors that bother to learn wizardry can become powerful archmages capable of bringing great devastation with their magic. And these things are beasts. Like, yeah. What a cool weapon against, like, fire shit you know like send them in on the blood war plane to like just sort of soak up fire damage yeah absolutely yeah no they these these are end game bosses or like super high level like things that you have to deal with um but before we get into more let's take a short rest okay Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. We've returned. Indeed we have. We're fucking back. Indeed we are. And we're going to talk about other stuff, like Like Patreon. Oh, that. (laughs) Patreon. (laughs) There we go. And Pathfinder after. Um, <laughs> Patreon.com slash the Dungeon Cast. It's a place that has these episodes early and free. Mm-hmm. and Or not free, but <laughs> that's the point of Patreon. It's not I free. Suppose, I suppose that's true. <laughs> early and ad free. <clears throat> early and ad free. Yeah, this show will always be free, but we do monetize it with ads, um, and we don't control what those ads are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, there's other cool stuff on the Patreon. You can control what those ads are. And just the ones that we do, like, in the recording, like this one. Uh, But, yeah, check out patreon.com slash DungeonCast if you want to support us. It really helps a lot, and there's a lot of cool stuff there. We're going to be doing shout-outs at the end of this episode for uh, patrons that have come in in the last probably, like, two months. And let me just give a very preemptive, woo! (laughs) You ready to talk about Ballers? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) let's talk about Ballers. So Pathfinder also has Ballers. You've become Path Daddy. <laughs> Indeed, I have. Like the fucking Yugi Moto when he activates his Millennium Puzzle. Uh, yes, exactly. You've, Very you've, much so. Yeah, my voice is deeper now. Your balls have dropped. <laughs> hey, like you've that. activated my trap card. <laughs> Puberty. So if if a monster we're talking about in D and D has a counterpart worth talking about in Pathfinder, we're gonna now. Yeah, and I think you guys are gonna like it because this lore is fucking wild. A lot of the time that I've been reading. Um, Hope you're happy, wizards. This is what you've done to us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Pathfinder also has battlers. Uh, they're very similar, but have enough differences to talk about. Sometimes known as fire demons, the dreaded battlers are the most powerful of the demons of the abyss, aside from the demon lords, of course. Yes, Pathfinder also has demon lords. Cool. Um, in Pathfinder, demons are usually associated with a particular sin or sins. Um, in this case, Balors are associated with all the sins, taken to very, very great ex- excess because Ooh. they're the ultimate demons. Yes, cool. <clears throat> um, they have ha- absorbed all the sins. <laughs> all so strong, <laughs> so strong. They have a similar appearance to their D and D counterparts. The epitome of demon kind, a Balor demon, appears uh, as a tall, horned pillar of flesh and fire. A typical uh, specimen is 14 feet in height and weighs 4,500 pounds. It's identical to the D and D one. Um, as with most demons, Balors are created from mortal souls. However, while one evil soul can create several lesser demons, it usually takes the souls of several powerful villains to generate a single Balor. So unlike D&D, where a mortal soul usually has to be transformed into a manis and then must claw its way up the demonic hierarchy, Pathfinder has a secondary way of demonic birth, that of ritual transformation of a mortal soul. Oh, I was going to say, uh, like... <clears throat> like tub birth, like a water birth. Yeah, this is like the water birthing of demons. <laughs> so the forbidden and blasphemous rituals of demonic transformation can be found only in the rarest of tomes. Mm. A rare few demons, ranging from lowly quasits up to the mightiest balors, know these rituals and can teach them as well, though they guard this knowledge closely, offering it only to those they deem deserving of the lore. The process requires four rituals. Okay. Just like a water bath. So this is one of those. This is okay. So this isn't going to be as bad as the Zuckmoy episode, which is if you haven't listened to that episode, that's a fucking legendary Dungeon Cast episode. (laughs) It's been a while because the rituals that I go through on that that were written in Dungeon Magazine or Dragon Magazine are fucking wild. God, we could do a podcast just about Dragon Magazine. Oh, we could absolutely. 
That'd be fucking so, hilarious. If you are familiar with that episode, this episode is not going to be that crazy because that episode is probably the craziest episode we ever. I recorded. remember the the old Demon Lord episodes being fucking off the chain yes, wild, like yes. the Inagu episode. Yes, that was off the chain. Yes. That being said, this shit's fucking wild. Let's get into it. Okay. Uh, the first ritual ritual is the easiest and requires nothing more than for the user's alignment to become chaotic evil. By undertaking acts of uh, vile and destructive nature, the mortal consigns their soul to the abyss, even if they never finish the second and third rituals. <laughs> the mortal must then select a demon lord at this point to serve as a demonic patron. So that's ritual number one. Okay. Just go be fucking evil. Yeah. Like super evil. <laughs> super fucking evil. <laughs> Got it. The second ritual requires many more months of debased acts and vile plots. But at some point during the second year, the mortal must contact their chosen demonic patron. Once contact is made, the demonic patron must be told of the mortal's desire to become a demon. At some point thereafter, but before a year has passed, the mortal must offer a significant sacrifice to their demonic patron as a burnt offering in a temple consecrated to the demon lord. This offering can be either living or dead. In either case, the burnt offerings must be of someone that is related to the mortal by blood or family. We're getting, okay. We're getting a little crazy. <laughs> That's wild. Third ritual. <laughs> at some point after the mortal must, uh, at some point after that, the mortal must contact their demon lord. The demon then sends the mortal a vision of a task that must be completed, such as freeing a bound evil outsider from a material plane prison or assassinating a powerful cleric of a good religion. This task is typically one of significance to the demon lord, and in many cases one that the mortal has no hope of completing until they grow much more powerful. There's no time limit for how long the mortal has to complete this task, but they must maintain their weekly devotions to their demon lord in the time that passes in the form of regular worship and continued atrocities in the demon lord's name. <laughs> like, you gotta get that weekly quota in. Yeah, you need I, to fucking graffiti stamp the location of your evil after each deed absolutely. with the demon lord's name. <laughs> Additional Like I do. <laughs> yes, exactly. Additional burnt offerings to the demon, uh, demon lord, betrayals of allies, and assaults on innocents are popular choices. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Once the assigned task is completed, the mortal must then perform another ritual in honor of their demonic lord, a sacrifice consisting of no less than a dozen non-evil intelligent creatures offered in the course of no more than a single week. The successful end of this ritual transforms the practitioner into what is called a half-fiend. Okay. You're halfway there. I can feel it getting close. <gasps> you want to go assault some innocence with me? <laughs> it's a popular choice. <laughs> Finally. It's real easy. There's innocence everywhere. <clears throat> Finally, for the fourth ritual, the mortal's demon lord grants no vision or advice to begin this ritual. The mortal must take it upon themselves to honor their demon lord in a manner appropriate to that demon lord's interests and areas of concern. So you got to really know your demon lord. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> once every year, on the anniversary of the day the mortal completed the third ritual, they must perform a special ceremony that recounts their accomplishments over the past year and culminates in a significant sacrifice, usually consisting of a sacrifice of an important member of an enemy faith or of an angel oh. uh, success results in the final transformation into a full-fledged demon I finally caught one of them angels <laughs> time to die <laughs> and that's how you become a demon in Pathfinder <laughs> Pathfinder know your demon lord indeed so back to Pathfinder Balors <clears throat> excuse me most battlers act as the main generals of the various demon lords, leading vast armies of demons into battle on behalf of their masters. They are content to let their minions fight on their behalf, but relish the prospect of personal combat when challenged directly. Some unusually powerful Balors do not have a demon lord for a master. Instead, these so-called Balor lords rule in their own right. Only a true demon lord can command an entire abyssal realm, but the greatest of the Balor lords rule up to half of a realm. Okay. Which is actually very impressive. Balor lords are equivalent in might to nascent demon lords and have abilities above and beyond those of ordinary Balors. Some can heal themselves by uh, slaying living creatures. Others have additional spell-like abilities, and perhaps the most feared of all can inhale the souls of nearby living creatures, killing the victim and transforming its corpse into a succubus or shadow demon. Oh my gosh, cool. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, also reminds me of Adventure Time when... Um, um, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Marceline's dad. Um, oh, I don't know. Uh, something Aberdeen. Uh, he uh, he arrives and he just starts sucking everyone's soul out. <laughs> the, yeah, it's, it's a good episode. Cool. I love Adventure Time. Anyways, like most demons, Balors usually live in the abyss. It takes powerful magic to summon a Balor to the material plane. And it is not to be done lightly. Balor views any period of enforced servitude, however short or stress-free, 
free to be a personal front and goes on to any length to avenge itself. Okay. Uh, speaking of Adventure Time and evil shit, uh, I have a character in a game that um, based their trickster cleric off of the deer with the fingers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That deer is <laughs> evil and scary. Super evil. It's super scary. Super weird. Yeah. I've seen Lemon Grab do some shit, but I know that guy gets it down. <laughs> hey, everyone, we're back. Indeed we are. Uh, we were going to end the episode there, but we decided we wanted to add a little more because we didn't add any stat blocks because we were all like, man, D&D, but we have <laughs> D&D and Pathfinder stat blocks for we this beast. two stat blocks. That's right. And um, what is Very what comparable, call, actually. What is the? What is it called for the Balor for D&D? Well, it's open... Huh? The SRD, what is it? Well, oh, you're talking about, oh, Archives of Anethys? Co- Creative Commons, is that it? Oh, no, I'm talking oh, about the Balor for the D&D. The Balor for D and D, yes, is part of the SRD. So this is free okay. to use. You don't have to buy anything to use this Balor. It's just look it up on the internet. That's right, which is important to us now. Yeah. So okay, so uh, the Balor is a huge fiend, demon, <laughs> chaotic evil with an armor class of 19, natty. It's got HP of 262. That's 21 D12 plus 12 uh, plus 126. That's a lot of HP. It can fly. For forty feet, it could fly better than it could walk. Or no, yeah, walks for eight for forty feet and flies for eighty feet. Yeah, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. We have a strength of twenty six, so plus eight. Mm-hmm. Dex of fifteen, that's plus two. Con of twenty two, that's plus six. Intelligence of twenty, that's plus five. Wisdom of sixteen, that's plus three. And charisma of twenty two, that's plus six. Balor's not bad at anything. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, what is it worst at? Being wise? Uh, no, no, being dexterous. dexterous. Yeah, and that makes sense. It's all bulky. Yeah. It's got a big old chesty. And honestly, it's one point off from a plus three. So. Yeah, get him. Uh, well, let's see what the what the saving throws are. Yeah. Uh, saving throws are strength plus fourteen, constitution plus twelve, wisdom plus nine, and charisma plus twelve. So for all you metagamers out there, make it do deck saves. Yeah, because it's not trained in those. No. Um, I will say this: the numbers may be big here because you know this is kind of an end game uh, enemy for fifth edition D anD. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just wait till you see the the, the next step block. These numbers are like triple. <laughs> Oh shit! Yeah. Well, you'll have to let me know how relevant like those, that scaling is to like. A I'll, I'll do. I'll do my best. Uh, we got damage <clears throat> resistances to cold, lightning, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. Uh, this creature is immune to. I'm gonna give Will some guesses here. Let's uh, play what, what? poison. There, you got one. And uh, probably fire. Yeah, fire. Okay. That goes along with the lore. Yep. yep, um, yep. We recorded the lore a week ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's immune to. Being poisoned. Yeah, being poisoned. Uh, are you cheating? I mean, that one was obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I see. He has a stat block. I do have it open, yes. Uh, senses our true sight for 120 feet with a passive perception of 13. Uh, the languages it can speak are abyssal, and it is telepathic for 120 feet, so it can make that deal with you common speaking filth. Uh, challenge rating is 19. That's going to yield 22,000 experience points. That's a lot of XP. And the proficiency bonus is plus six. Yeah. So nice. we're familiar with D&D stuff. That's strong as fuck. This is a strong creature. Uh, death throws. When the Balor dies, it explodes. And each creature within 30 feet of it must makes a DC 20 dexterity saving throw, taking 70 or 20 D6 fire damage on a failed save or half as much damage on a successful one. The explosion ignites flammable objects in that area that aren't being worn or carried, and it destroys the Balor's weapons. Wouldn't it be crazy if your clothes caught on fire? In situations like that, it would be crazy. It would be crazy. Would be That's crazy. like an anime when um, people get fucking fireballed super hard and their clothes are yeah, all burned away, burned away yeah. and their hair is I fucking I mean, it would fine. be cool if there was a mechanic that, like, uh, like if its clothes are, you know, if it's flammable, you roll and maybe, it, it, depending on how you roll, it's like damaged to different degrees. Yeah. It's like, why does Goku have eyebrows still? You know? Yeah. Like, after or every fight, hair should, on his head. Like, yeah, it yeah. should not look like, like that. Um, Fire aura. At the start of each of the Balor's turns, each creature within five feet of it takes th- uh, ten or three—that's three d six fire damage—and flammable objects in the aura that aren't being worn or carried ignite. A creature that touches the Balor or hits it with a melee attack, while within five feet of it, takes ten or three d six fire damage. Um, uh, you know me. I love a good aura. That's a good aura. Yeah, I like the idea of like flammable. Do you have? You should have flammable things in the area to describe as it. You know, puts off fire. As things are igniting all around. So I understand the mechanics behind, and they do this all the time. It's not just with the Balor. I understand the mechanics of if an object is being worn or held, it, it's not affected. Mm-hmm. But like, 
speaking in in in, in real, real world physics, how does that work? Like, why it, is it that if you're wearing, like, if I were if I were wearing a, a a dress of nothing but parchment, how is it that I could stand in this thing's flames and my parchment does not burn? Yeah, I mean, know? like, we have to look at the the other side. Is like you wouldn't be wearing a dress of parchment. No, likely, no, you wouldn't. You definitely but, wouldn't. But but. Fabric does. Yeah, should, wizards wear robes. Yeah, wizard, yeah. a wizard's clothes should burn. Like yeah. in these situations, and if right? you're if you're fighting a Balor at the appropriate level, like your equipment should be magical. And like to me, like that's the thing. It it should be that it burns anything unless magical. Right, that makes sense. Because yeah. like yeah, like commoners, this thing running through a village, like everything's gonna be burned. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Everyone should be naked. Yes. Everyone should be butt naked, ready for their lives. I think <laughs> I I think that's it, right? Because if it's on fire, it's gonna do extra damage to you. It's gonna do like a D what four of fire damage or D six of fire damage. I, I usually D six is what I see. Yeah. So like you're going to take extra damage if all your clothes catch on fire and they don't want to put any more damage onto it than what it's already doing because that would throw off the balance of the creature probably maybe also it'd make everybody naked and that's uncomfortable <laughs> i, I, I per- mean that's some session zero it is stuff. a chaotic evil monster all right guys in this game there's gonna be a lot of fire monsters so you guys are gonna be we're gonna have clothes burn realistically in this game i want you guys to know that and there won't be any artificers <laughs> to fireproof your clothes for like a while <laughs> okay hilarious. so save money for clothes i'm just going to tell you that ahead, ahead of time you're going to go through so much wardrobe they're going to get acided away and yeah. if we don't have the mending spell on us uh and you know what i'm just going to say right now it won't work for clothes have them burned <laughs> okay, or acided away. okay I see. so everybody cool with that you're hilarious our safe word is pineapple bacon <laughs> moving on uh, we have the magic resistance. The Balor has advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects, like its clothes burning away. And it has magic weapons. The Balor's weapon attacks are magical. As um, they should be. Damn. Imagine fireproofing all your stuff, like, magically. Mm-hmm. And then the Balor's like, oh, I have magic fire, though, that can fire away magic Well, that's kind of what Mephistopheles' stuff is about, is his hellfire burns out <laughs> oh, much yeah. more. Yeah. Fucking uh, Amaterasu. I'll yeah. burn it anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we have actions, and a lot of them. We have the multi-attack. The Balor makes two actions, one with its long sword and one with its whip. Uh, we got a long sword. That's a melee weapon attack with plus 14 to hit with a reach of 10 feet. One target is going to hit for 21 or 3d8 plus 8 slashing damage plus 13 or 3d8 lightning damage. If the Balor scores a critical hit, it rolls damage dice three times instead of twice. I don't know if anyone could have even possibly seen this on YouTube, but I saw it in front of me in the podcast. People can't see it because they're only hearing it, but mm-hmm. a tiny bubble came out of my mouth when I was talking. <laughs> and I saw it fly in and pop on the screen I'm reading oh, off of. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, uh, I thought that'd be a fun fact to include. The whip, the whip. melee weapon attack. It's going to do four, plus 14 to hit with a reach of 30 feet on one target. It's going to hit for 15 or 2d6 plus 8 <laughs> slashing damage plus 10. Uh, that's going to be 3d6 fire damage. Uh, and the target must succeed on a DC 20 strength saving throw or be pulled up to 25 feet toward the Balor. That's impressive to whip and grab and pull at the same time. Mm-hmm. I mean, look what the Balrog did to Gandalf on its way down. I Yeah. <laughs> I remember. The Balrog came up. Okay, so it's it's been a week since we recorded the last yeah, junk, but yeah. the Balrog came up, right? Yeah, it did. It did. It did. Yeah, remember. yeah. Okay. As a matter of fact, it was one of the first things I wrote in the script. That's was, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Balrog. Uh, okay, so teleport is the last uh, action here. The Balor magically teleports along with any equipment it is wearing or carrying up to 120 feet to an unoccupied space it can see. This is keeping in line with the same principle that you can't burn away clothes. You also can't teleport out of your clothes. Yeah. Because it would yeah. be weird. Yeah. It would be weird. It would, it would be, be weird. weird. And also, like, way more use, useless. Yeah. Could, it would not be nearly to, as useful. Yeah, dude. How, um, if in real life, well, if you could teleport, but your clothes got left behind mm-hmm. and it was only 30 feet of teleportation, how often do you really think you'd do it? I think I would only do it. Uh, I, so I would have like key locations that I would probably teleport between, right? Yeah. So, like, let's shower's say, done. Poof. And now I'm in a t- on top, standing on top of the towel. I didn't think of that. I thought more along the lines <laughs> of like, okay. Maybe like okay, I like to go to Vegas, right? Maybe I like to go to Vegas enough that I, I come up with a te- I have a little teleportation bag saved out in the middle of the fucking desert. <laughs> no, you I can telepo- only teleport thirty feet. Oh, only thirty feet. Oh, I thought you were saying if I could only teleport naked. I'm sorry. Oh well, no. Okay, like you would be naked, <laughs> but 
Uh, let's say you have if the power to If I was naked and 30 feet, then never, never. Why would I ever use this? Right. Out of the, well, let's give it 120 because that's what the Balor can do, right? It's still not great. No, not great. But you could teleport, you could turn off all the water in the shower and teleport straight out of it into your bedroom. That's true. Set up that's a little true. towel or carpet that you're allowed to get wet <laughs> and then just. It seems like more work than it's worth. Not when you think about getting undressed for the end of your day. I guess. I don't know. I'm about to teleport one foot and just be done with all my clothes. <laughs> Hell yeah. That is a convenient. That's okay. Like, all right. Hard all doors. Right. No thanks. Uh, but you're naked on the other side of the car door. So, oh, fuck, yeah, you're see, right. not that useful. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. I like okay. my I like my Vegas uh, nudity bag better. Yeah. But. Okay. If you okay, let's change the topic to if you could teleport anywhere. Yeah. Now, I would have like key location. Bag? I would just <laughs> I would just have like uh, uh, a ready to go bag in okay. key locations mm-hmm. that would save me you know huge commutes and basically I, it'd have to be somewhere discreet and I'd have a bag with clothes and stuff ready for me. So basically, you'd teleport out to like Red Rocks, Las Vegas. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. You'd, Dig up a berry, a bag, a go bag you buried. Maybe, yeah, maybe it'd be buried, get, maybe just be hidden. I don't know. And get dressed, and then like Uber. I guess so. Yeah, you'd have like a burner phone there, right? Yeah, definitely. Yes, yeah. it would have to be like a whole package. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. So you would just essentially have to drive there one time. Mm-hmm. No, you could teleport there naked and dig it out. Dig out a whole. Oh no, you'd have to like drive out there one time, huh? Yes, yeah, the initial time. You, yeah. You have to get the whole thing set up. Unless you had a buddy, like, you call Mark, and Mark <laughs> drives out and puts the go bag down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then he gives you the coordinates for the <sighs> GPS, and then you could, like, see it on Google Earth and go there or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, why not? Why not? Okay, the hypotheticals are over. Let's go to the, oh, welcome to Pathfinder. Pathfinder, We're gonna read the second Pathfinder edition. Block. There is Where a, the numbers are bigger. Yeah, the numbers are bigger, and the fire is the same. Uh, okay, so you sent me this link, Will. Yes. Um, should I start from the... So it is a creature 20. Do you want to start there? Creature 20. Because okay, essentially, like me... it's challenge rating, you need to say okay to that one. You need to say that one. There you. we go. Oh, okay. I was... Oh, no, the ad of boobies is still there. I'm getting a weird <laughs> ad. There's boobies on it. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, okay, this makes a lot more sense. Uh-huh. I had ads up. <laughs> okay, we got a Balor who's a fire demon in Pathfinder 2nd yes. Edition. Uh, Balors are creature 20s. What does that mean, Will? That's essentially like the challenge rating. So when, ah. when you're preparing combat in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, you have like what is called like a, an XP. They have a word for it, but you have like a, a set amount of uh, of level that you can use for an encounter depending on how deadly you want it to be okay and it's all based off your your party's level so like um monsters that are equivalent to your party's level or within a four level range they're worth x amount of xp and then every increment i believe it is of either two or four above or below your part your party's party level you can use more creatures are worth more or less xp interesting so you'll notice like this creature is not worth uh, a particular amount of xp because the amount of xp that they are worth is relative to the party that they're fighting i see okay yeah. i'll try to remember that um yeah. i'll explain it in our uh, running combat episode that we're oh yeah we are this. we are coming out with some pathfinder yeah. uh, centric stuff um to cover the basics mm-hmm. uh let's see what how much of this stuff should i read see chaotic evil i, I assume it's a chaotic C- evil large, large demon demon fiend. it's a fiend nice yeah that's that's cool those are all useful so tags. things that affect any of those taglines affect the battle yeah tags are important in a lot of other rpgs which mm-hmm. i really like about yes, yes. um about other i i first encountered uh keywords in fourth edition where they were very very uh useful and they use them in pretty much the exact same capacity here in Pathfinder 2nd Yeah, I, th- I think Powered By uses tags, but it's keywords. They're all the same, Yeah, um, basically, to help us to help with um, vocabulary. Uh, senses, we have Perception. That's plus 36. Yep. It also has Dark Vision and True Seeing, which I assume are similar to, to the True Sight. Terms. Yeah. So um, I, we're going to read a lot of numbers. They're going to be higher. So yes. The, that's that's just the way Pathfinder go. <laughs> Languages are abyssal, celestial, draconic, telepathy for a hundred feet. Um, I'm gonna assume telepathy sort of works the same. You know, I don't actually know, but I do think it's hilarious that this thing doesn't know common. Yeah, we're learning Pathfinder also. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it but, does. It doesn't. But that tracks because in a lot of fantasy, when you're speaking to creatures of ancient origin and stuff, you oftentimes the the, the main characters don't understand what the fuck's being said. 
They're like, holy oh, yeah. shit, like, like this celestial speaking to us, but like we don't know what it's saying, you know? Like, yeah, Commons knew. I'm not going to take yeah, the time. Like, exactly. you speak the uh, the OG language. Uh, skills. We have acrobatics of plus 35, which seems a lot different than the D and D one. Uh, <laughs> athletics is plus 37. Deception plus 36. Diplomacy plus 32. Intimidation plus 38. Religion plus 32. Society plus 32. And stealth plus 33. So yeah, they're rolling a d20 and then adding 33. You know, absolutely. Yeah. So that just uh, like to give the you scaling. Guys... Ju- it just scales much higher. That's really all yeah, it is. Yeah. The numbers just it's get bigger. It's fairly here. equivalent. The numbers just get bigger. Yeah, to, to kind of break it down, these are the things it's good at, and it's mm. about 35 good at all these things. <laughs> exactly. Which is a lot. It's Yes. Um, it's stre- it, These are its basic scores. So its strength is plus nine. Its dexterity is a plus seven. Its constitution is a plus nine. Intelligence is a plus six. Wisdom is a plus six. And charisma is a plus eight. And if you listen to our Pathfinder episode, you'll know that like being trained in skills is probably what makes these numbers go up so high. Yes. Beyond their normal yeah, scores. Yeah, exactly. Like it like for I guarantee you that the Balor has is legendarily proficient at intimidation. Yeah. And that's why it's a fucking thirty eight. Yeah, and there were four there were four categories for that, yeah. right? Like trained, yeah, there, expert. There's trained, expert, master, and legendary. There you go. Yeah, so. Uh, it's AC. Oh, it, it's items. It has a long sword on it, which you can manipulate. <laughs> I'm just, sure it's not the one it's actually using. It's just on its side. It's just a <laughs> random long sword. Yeah, uh, AC is 45. So high. That's really high. Yeah. It sounds like uh, fortitude is plus 39. It's just as fort, but I'm. It's, it's fortitude, fortitude, yes, right? yes. So in uh, Pathfinder Second Edition, there are three types of saves. Rather than you know having Dex or Intel or Charisma saves like you do in Fifth Edition, you have three essential save defenses: fortitude, reflex, and will. Yeah, um, and that that saves me the question of asking what ref is. So ref uh, reflex is plus thirty five, and its Williams are plus thirty four. <laughs> it's got thirty four Williams. Got, that's a lot. That's, that's, that's thirty three more than more the than show. Me. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> Uh, it has a plus one status to all saves versus magic. Are, you're like the Doctor Strange. Like it's got all the Doctor Strange variants, like uh, or this Loki like, variants, like all the Marvel variants. Oh, this is my multiverse. These of are all your variants. They yeah. help the Pathfinder Balor. Yep, yep. all my e- chaotic evil. It's just throwing Williams at versions. you, like different Mortys. It's <laughs> like, ah, oh, fuck! I'm, I've only got forty. I've only got four <laughs> Williams left. I've thrown them all. I'm gonna lose this fight. <laughs> HP is 480. Sounds like a lot. It Immunities. Does. It's immune to fire. Not poison. Guess what? Poison is probably way more useful in this game. I, yeah, would, probably. I would bet it is. I Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, um, also basically. notice this thing has weaknesses, which is something 5e doesn't really have a lot of. Yeah, we're going Pokemon um, <clears throat> in here. So mm-hmm. it's, weak, it's weak to cold 20, mm-hmm. cold iron 20, and good 20, which I assume means that you have a 20 bonus to... Like rolling on it, I haven't maybe looked, more damage. I haven't looked into how vulnerabilities work in this game quite yet, but um, I would imagine that basically you add 20 damage to any of these damage types. Yeah, so if you do a d6 cold damage, I would imagine you're adding 20 to it, but maybe I got that wrong. I'll be doing more research as we keep going. It could reveal itself to us as we keep <clears> reading, but yeah, as a matter of fact, you keep reading. I'm actually gonna look it up. Okay, that's great. Uh, be gentle with us, guys. We're all we're learning. A lot of us are coming from 5e, including us, and we're learning Pathfinder. Yeah, I'm looking so it up right now. We're not exactly experts yet, but we will be. Uh, Aura of Flame, uh, that's aura, divine, evocation, and fire are its tags, and it, its range is 20 feet. A foe that starts its turn in the aura takes 3d6 plus 20 fire damage or 6d6 plus 20 fire damage if the Balor has grabbed or restrained it, which are similar in Pathfinder and 5e. Mm-hmm. A creature that hits a Balor with an unarmed strike takes 3d6 plus 10 fire damage, and weapons that hit a Balor take 3d6 plus 10 fire damage. So your weapons take damage, which I like. Um, They can, yes. Um, By the way, I did have it right. So when you're weak to something, whatever, like if you're weak 5 or weak 20, you just add that flat number to the damage. Fuck yeah, kill your doubt. Will was right. <laughs> um, Attack of opportunity, that's a reaction. <laughs> Um, yeah, that not we, all things get, but the Balor does. Yes, and we went over action economy in the Pathfinder episode. It, it, I actually like prefer it. I would, I would think. Yeah, it's actually so. Um, like kind of more I've like been doing a lot edition, of reading, right? and it's one of the things people like the most because it makes combat more exciting. Yes, and that is my biggest complaint about Fifth Edition is that combat is boring, <laughs> uh, especially when you're making shows and yeah, you're putting it on mic. It can be. So long. Anyway, reaction. Uh, the Balor can use attack of opportunity. When a creature within their reach uses a concentrate action in addition to its normal trigger, they can disrupt triggering concentrate actions 
and they can disrupt actions on any hit, not just a critical hit. And by the way, their whip, which we haven't gotten to, it does have a reach of 20 feet. So that's a hell of a reach. Ooh. Um, we've got death throws. That's gonna uh, the tags on that are death, divine, evocation, and fire. When a ballard dies, their their body explodes in a 100 foot aura of intense demonic flame. All creatures and objects in range take 16 d10 fire damage. Uh, DC is 45 base reflex save. That seems incredibly high. So let me pause you here real quick. Yeah. Because the 5e version, that explosion only reaches out 30 feet. This is much much scarier. Yeah, a 100-foot explosion <laughs> yeah. is so fucking huge. It's, it's Are you serious? It's very big. I don't know if I've ever seen a 100-foot explosion in real life. No, I don't think most people would have. I've seen explosions in real life, and you wouldn't think that I should have, but I have. Right, sure. Uh, just shit blowing up when it shouldn't be. Uh, and yeah, not like this, though. No, uh, not like a Ballard. It's death rows, no. I did. Do, last 4th of July, I was underneath a fireworks show, like very close to it, like mm-hmm. as close as you are allowed to be. Wow. And it was fucking intense. I bet it was. Yeah, my shit was getting bombed on. My ears <laughs> were burning. Uh, okay, so where was I? Um, Death throws. Yes, the DC-45 base reflex save. Because the flame is infused with abyssal energy, creatures in the area apply only half their usual fire hey. resistance. Nice. So <laughs> creatures with immunity to fire use an outcome one degree of success better than what they rolled instead of gaining the usual benefit of immunity. The bodies okay. of creatures reduced to zero HP by a Balor's death throws are completely incinerated into fine ash. So a lot like beholders. Don't die. Just, Don't die like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't come back from fine ash. Mm-hmm. Well, unless you, unless we're reading this wrong and they just look like ash, but like super sexy, like from Pokemon. <laughs> sexy ash. Yep. That's that's definitely how the writers meant it. They got walking speed of thirty. I love Pathfinder for sexy ash. Uh, they got a walking speed of 35 feet. They have a flight speed of 70 feet. So slightly less than the 5e versions. Yeah. Um, melee, one action. Vorpal, cold, iron, silver, longsword, plus 40. Okay. That's so, cool. That's oh. a bunch of sick-ass words in a row. <laughs> so th- those words mean mean things. So Absolutely. Cold iron is essentially weapons that are <coughs> weapons that are made from cold iron are extra deadly to demons and fey. Uh, cold iron looks like normal iron, but it's mined from particular pure sources and shaped with little or no heat. This process is extremely difficult, especially for high-grade cold iron uh, items. Um, Vorpal, uh, originally created as a means of slaying the legendary Jabberwock, Vorpal weapons prove uh, equally effective against nearly any foe with a head. <laughs> um, and so, let me see here. Uh, there's a reaction here. I'm pretty sure that just means it cut good. Yeah, they cut Sword real cut good. good. So you can activate on a trigger. Um, you roll a natural 20 on a strike with the weapon, and you critically succeed and deal slashing damage. The target must have a head. Effect the target must succeed a DC 3742 save or be decapitated. Fuck. This kills any creature except ones that don't require a head to live. So, yeah, if if a Balor crits you with their sword, there is a chance you insta-die from your head getting chopped off. Mm. I fucking love that. <laughs> it's incredible. That is neat. Uh, continue. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that's that is plus forty. So uh, plus forty to hit. Jesus. So yes. if you have an AC of less than forty, you're automatically getting hit. Uh, disarm, evil, fire, magical, reach twenty feet, and trip are tags on here, so it can do those things as well. Yes. Uh, damage is going to be 4d6 plus 17 fire plus 1d6 evil. Evil damage. I like that evil cheese on top. That's evil great. Evil cheese, baby. <laughs> Yuck. So in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, evil damage only applies to creatures that are good. So if you are neutral or evil, that damage doesn't happen to you. So that's more of previous uh, D&D editions where um, alignment had a lot to do with like certain things. Yeah, yeah. Pathfinder definitely stays true to that, that original idea, uh, at least to a certain degree. Uh, it also has improved grab and whip reposition. Okay. All okay. right. Cool. Yeah. Neat. Uh, divine <laughs> innate spells, DC 44. Uh, I assume it's that's the save. 10th level. Yeah, that's the save. And I forgot to mention, yeah, Pathfinder goes all the way up to 10th level spells. They've got, so all you hungry spell mongers out there <laughs> trying to get your 10th level spells, here they are. We got 10th, uh, 10th level spells are Dimension Door and Divine Decree. And that divine decree is at a minus two. I'm not sure how relevant that is. But uh, its eighth level spells are dispel magic at will. Sixth level, dominate at will. Fifth, dimension door at will, which I imagine must be much different than the tenth level dimension door. 
Yeah, I'm sure there's some sort of variant to it. Uh, and then can't it must be way more powerful. Cantrips. Uh, it has in parentheses tenth there. So, um, you know how in fifth edition cantrips scale as you level. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. They, there's a similar thing with cantrips in this game. Um, and so they these just are tenth call level it, cantrips. Yeah, basically, basically it, it's casting it as if it was a tenth level spellcaster. Neat. Okay, telekinetic projectile is the tenth. Or level cantrip. no, that's not exactly right. It's it's. It's heightening it to its final level of power, which would be its 10th level. Yeah, because yeah. over here, constant is uh, at 6th. True and seeing. Those are, yeah, those are just like uh, like passive oh. abilities. Like oh, sight. so true seeing, like it's constant. true seeing is a spell, but because it's constant, it's just the way it sees. Yeah, it's like yeah. a passive ability that's yeah. always on. Mm -hmm. uh, Divine Rituals at DC 44, Abyssal Pact. Um, dimensional Dervish, a Balor can cast their fifth level innate dimension door with only a single action. Um, things in, D in Pathfinder take multiple actions. Yeah, right? usually I'm sure that would take two or three actions. Nice. Um, so Dispelling Strike is a free action. Frequency, once per round. Trigger, the Balor has, the Balor hits a creature, object, or spell effect with a weapon strike. Uh, effect, the Balor casts an innate dispel magic on the target of the triggering strike. Okay, so not only can it smack you, but it'll dispel whatever you're fucking doing while, you're, while it's at it. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, it can infuse weapons, which has the tags divine and evocation. Any weapon a Balor wields becomes a plus three major striking vorpal weapon made of cold iron and silver while the demon holds it. Now, I know this sounds like a lot because it is. This is a really high-level creature. Yeah, and so super. It can do a game. lot of things. Yes. So just let the Pathfinder hit like wave take you <laughs> you'll hear all these words and then the next time we talk about it it'll be a lot easier yeah for you know i'm just talking to people that aren't familiar yeah. obviously we have pathfinder fans that are already mad at us <laughs> a weapon that isn't eligible for the vorpal rune doesn't gain its effects the Balor can change its evil damage to chaotic whenever it attacks the demon can Ooh. conjure a whip made of flames with an interact action this whip gains the same benefits as other weapons the Balor wields so changing from your that damage type from evil to chaotic is great because uh, you got to remember that even in this world, demons and devils do not like each other. Nice. And so this is a way for it to switch its damage to be able to hurt devils that are lawful evil because chaotic damage will do damage to lawful creatures. That's cool, man. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. A, uh, life Drinker, that's a free action. Tags are divine, healing, and necromancy or necromancy, as the cultured people say. Uh, trigger. The Balor, uh, the Balor kills a living creature that is at least 15th level. It's just going to uh, suck that soul. Yep. Got to suck that soul. Effect. The Balor drinks the triggering creature's life force <laughs> and regains 10d8 plus 80 oh. hit points. Uh, I'm going to roll that right now. And it says uh, the tag on that is non-sexual. It says non-sexual <laughs> here. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it means like to try to kill, not to sexually... <laughs> Uh, and then whip reposition, when the Balor grabs a creature with a whip strike, they can move the creature to any space in the whip's reach. The Balor can move without ending the grab as long as the creature remains within the whip's reach. The, and the Balor can move the creature to any other space in the whip's reach with an interact object, or interact action. All right, so I just drank the life of a creature, and I regained uh, 117 HP after I killed that that creature. That action economy is super heavy. Wow, <laughs> pretty good. And then oh, that was a free action. Holy shit. They also yeah, much like the D and D stat block, uh, it also includes some lore at the bottom, which I'm sure we covered. We covered that already. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, what are your thoughts on the Balor? <laughs> it seems super duper strong. The, um, I will say the Pathfinder one seems way stronger, right? Yeah, and it's it, not just the numbers. No, it can. It seems like it can do a lot. It of can different cut things. off your fucking head in the first round if it rolls right. Honestly, <laughs> uh, based off of the Lori read, it should be able to do that. Oh yeah, like, definitely. This definitely. type of stuff, yeah, like yeah. a lot of the stuff I'm seeing, is horrifying. <laughs> As and it should be. It should be. Yeah, D and D five E is really toned down compared to this. Yes, definitely. Um, and that that's kind of five E's reputation, which has its strengths in, in certain regards. Yes, um, it's a good intro game, I think. It's a good intro game. It's also good if you are running like a superhero style or heroic fantasy style game. Well, then 5e definitely is going to be a good fit. But if you wanted a little bit more grittiness or a little bit more danger or a little bit more challenge, um, then, yeah, Pathfinder is definitely a way better fit. I'm sure the same things apply. Like, we play systems for their rules, right? And, yeah. And so if you want to use these rules, like, 
that's why you chose Pathfinders for stuff like this. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm sure the same principle applies. If you think that something should be here that isn't or something that is here shouldn't be here for your setting, it's probably fine to adjust it. Yeah, definitely. So do what you got to do out there. But here's what here's what Pathfinder's given you. So let's go ahead and take a long rest for reals. <laughs> Indeed. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Long Rest. We owe you guys some Patreon shout-outs. We do. It's been a little bit, and last time I reread a bunch, which is fine, but um, it means that you you all that came in had to wait. Patient people. Love you. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's get into it. Um, so these are all the folks that have come in this year on Patreon so far. Um, so, so thank you guys a lot. And like I said, thank you for being patient and waiting for these sh- shout-outs. We got Joseph Salmons. Thank you, Joseph. Annual subscriber, Joseph Sammons. Annual subscriber. Yes. Cole Claybone. Claybone? Clayboon? Thank you, Cole. Schlebone? Schlebone? <laughs> Schlebone. Wow. C H L E. Okay. Schlebone. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Re- uh, Ricky F. Thank you, Ricky. <laughs> thank you, Ricky F. Uh, the Silver Ray. Thank you, the Silver Ray. That's like Ray Romano, but he's all silver. Thank you, Silver Ray. Uh, Cameron Smith. Thank you, Cameron. Woo, woo. <laughs> Thank you, Cameron Smith. AJ Derwin. Thank you, AJ. Thank you, AJ Derwin. Uh, Jeremy Blackburn. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. Tom. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Is that the guy we know? No, it's definitely not. I don't think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tyler Perks. Thank you, Tyler. He's got more perks than his last name suggests now with his Patreon subscription. Way very, to go, Tyler. Good very, choice. Very true. A fine choice. Uh, Lee Bond. Thank you, Lee. <laughs> Call a Bondulance. Uh, that was a niche cut from this weird TikTok I saw. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, Lee Bond, annual subscriber. Annual subscriber. Rebecca Neal. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you. Uh, Matthias Osei. Thank you, Matthias. They've upgraded. Thank uh, you for upgrading Matthias. To annual subscription. <laughs> <laughs> annual subscriber. I did the wrong thing and transitioned halfway through it. <laughs> um, they're from Norway. Cool. Suggested by the currency used to purchase their subscription. Okay, that's super cool. Excellent. Excellent. Nords have come. <laughs> the Vikings have arrived. <laughs> oh, we got Joel Lima doing an upgrade. Joel, Thank you, Joel. Lima. Thank you, Joel. Joel Lima's going from a woo to a... Thank you, Joel. Thanks, Joel. Uh, Dan the Man. Thank you, Dan the Man. Woo! Woo! Woo, Dan the Man. Uh, this is a cool name. Uh, <laughs> Seraphiel. Like Sir Raphael? Like S-E. Like Seraphiel. Oh, thank you, Seraphiel. Thank you, Seraphiel. Um, they've upgraded from a woo to a... That's a lot. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. This is a big annual. Annual oh, subscriber. Oh, my God. Excellent stuff. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Awesome note that Monica left me at the bottom of this. It says, copy paste to the next page after reading or die. And I <laughs> I think I might have asked her to put that there so I would see yep, that and yep. remember to do it. Uh, okay. Nice. So I re- or ah! die. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I hope, you, re- hope you remember. <laughs> <laughs> this could be my last episode. Oh, no. Yeah, knowing me. Uh, thank you guys so much for um, being a part of Patreon. I hope you guys are enjoying your bonus content. And, um, you know, yeah. you get to participate in all kinds of cool stuff there. Uh, Will runs a, a newsletter and some polls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we, we do our- yeah, You guys uh, get to vote on episodes. Yeah, our monthly- to- we, we pick one topic a month, or, or you do, Yeah, you, those on Patreon. Um, and that's where our City of Sigil episode came from, which was very cool. Um, and I think in- Two episodes from now, there's another Patreon topic. Um, two. Or yes, one. there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, want me to announce it now? I yeah, can. yeah. Uh, it's uh, our personal DM tips and tricks. 
People want us to go over that, so we're gonna. We have a very cool <laughs> special guest, yes, and I don't want to do. super promise yeah. anything because very it hasn't happened guest. yet, but it's scheduled and should happen. Yes. So it'll be a really cool episode Indeed. with um, somebody that you guys probably are familiar with in the D and D or the, the RPG community. Indeed. Um, and yeah, we have more bonus content coming down the way. Unhallowed is well on its way. We're recording episodes four and five very soon. We're starting the post-production of episode one very soon. I'm hoping to have Unhallowed season one finish recording by the end of June. And hopefully the episodes will then be coming in every every two weeks starting in July. It's going to be really high-end stuff. It's, it's going to be a very polished show. Um, it's been a lot of fun recording yeah. it too. Even um, with we were transitioning to Pathfinder in the we middle are. of it, and yeah. I think it's going to work out. Yeah, I think it's going to work out just fine. Uh, my new fascination with Dungeon Crawl Classics is is really pushing me to try and do a level zero party uh, funnel with with the squad and try and get that on the Patreon. But we'll see, we'll see what happens. I want I want to try and do a lot, but you know, time yeah, we are behold oh, we are all beholden to it. That bastard. <laughs> um, yeah, Omega is uh, was well underway and is now like we kind of have to rethink some things with the transition out of 5e yes, to yeah. cypher to reimagine cypher is very cool but it kind of it kind of leaves i was reviewing my overview of the story and was like well this show's writing kind of is what it is because of D D in a lot of ways so i got to change the tone of that and kind of like it's it's making me rethink some things and not about the story so much but about the structure of the show so um, since we had already started recording it, it's kind of it's it's so messy. It's so messy that I just kind of want to like wipe it up real quick and and start start again. So um, that that kind of got put on the back burner for like a second while we learned the cipher system. So those those things will still be happening though, um, and pretty soon I've got some deadlines coming up uh, for my reading that should aid me in getting going on that again. So. Uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for all your your support. Uh, thank you to everyone who's left a uh, like, comment, and subscribe uh, on YouTube. Thank you to everybody that leaves uh, Apple iTunes reviews, po- Apple Podcast reviews, I guess is what they're called now, Spotify reviews, uh, or reviewing us on on any level on any platform that you listen to the show on. Uh, and thank you for recommending us to your friends uh, or people that you don't like that you want to you know, have good content in their lives. All Either way, it's it's fine. Thanks for telling people about the show. Um, I am going to start doing, I think, uh, I should have talked to Will about this before. <laughs> Again, two episodes in a row now. But um, we want to start doing, our YouTube channel got remonetized. Yeah. We're back, baby. Yeah, we are back. Um, that was yeah, weird. It almost took a year. Yeah. This it was, was a strange 10 months. Yes, it was. Um, so uh, because of that, I think we should start doing more stuff uh, for YouTube subscribers, like in the long rest, reading YouTube comments, I think would be a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, YouTube comments from uh, episodes in the previous recording batch that we thought were cool that we okay. could like address. I'm super um, into that. And then I've got like this big jar of dice that I want people to guess how many are in them. And we'll <laughs> do giveaways based okay. off of that. that sounds, and I'm, I'm that hoping to good. partner up with somebody to do those giveaways. Yeah, sure. Um, I was thinking about reaching out to our, our dice friends mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, since it's a dice related thing. Uh, so that'll be fun. Little visual cues for you guys to help promote YouTube, which is making money again, which is nice. So Very thanks. Nice, yeah. um, also, if you are watching on YouTube and the ads got crazy, like because that's happened to us before, yeah. um, YouTube just sort of slaps them down at like a breakneck pace, like every yeah. five minutes. And that wasn't us. Yeah, it's it's not us, and it's hard to to deal with that. Also, it's just become also the norm now, right? Like yeah. I I don't know about you, I watch a lot of YouTube, and a lot of the YouTube that I watch is very long form. It's very thirty minutes, an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually what I see happen a lot is that first 30, 40 minutes has a lot, and then it just disappears. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Now again, like a lot of that isn't necessarily directly out of our control. We have to go out of our way to find one of our many hundreds of episodes to correct this. But yeah, feel free to let us know and we can we can make some corrections. Yeah, if it gets if it gets crazy, drop some comments. We'll yeah. see it and we'll we'll address it. Yeah. Um, like, we're not going back and checking. I'm not going to just go watch my show. Yeah, there's and there's so many episodes nowadays. That, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a enough, big endeavor to go through them all. I've got enough show ahead of me. I don't need to listen mm-hmm. to the ones that I've already done. So. Yeah. Sorry about that. If that's happening, I just know that's happened in the past. Um, but I think otherwise we're we're cool. There's some there's some plans for the future. Patreon stuff. Um, check out Diversity Saves. They're very cool. Um, 
they help out uh, to give grants to LGD, LG, fuck, <laughs> LGBTQ plus communities. You got it. Uh, or people, fuck. <laughs> I'm super botching this, but um, for for creators in that space to help them get going. Um, so I, I think that's really cool. And uh, you guys should check it out. Check out our Discord. Um, check us out on Twitter. I guess Mastodon. Is that still a thing? No, I don't think it's going to be. Yeah. Mostly because it's already hard for me to keep up with what we got. Yeah, totally. But, um, you know. And you can find me on Instagram. I had to change my name from a Dungeons & Dragons based thing to a something else thing. So What is it now? It's Sound, Sound Good Ink. What? Sound Good Ink. <laughs> Sound Good Ink is yeah, your is my Instagram, Instagram t- okay. tag. So if you guys want to go see my Dragon Turtle, you can. I just posted a new <laughs> reel. Uh, well, uh, by the time you're hearing this, it's been a couple weeks, <laughs> but um, you can come see Sally, the dragon turtle who lives next to the studio. Yes, yes, she does. In a hole in the ground. Yes, yes, she does. She's more of a dragon tortoise, I suppose. Uh, all tortoises are turtles. Okay, she's a dragon turtle. Yeah, but all turtles are not tortoises. Yes, yes. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's call it. Let's call it a game. Okay. <laughs> Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.